Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, I'm Tane. And I'm Aid, and this is Alter Call, a Married at First Sight podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. It is Married at First Sight, Season 17, Episode 9. Hi, Aid. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I can't believe Christmas is practically here. It is. And guys, this episode is coming late because I went to D.C. and Tane and I went to the White House, which was great. At least I thought so. What did you think? It was. It was pretty. I wasn't sure what to expect, but it was nice. It was good. Good stuff. How did you feel being back in D.C.? It is always shocking to me how little I see you in person. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're comparing it to when you lived here. Correct. (laughs) Yeah. So then it feels like it's so little. Because I think I see you a decent amount of time compared to some of my friends that I don't see for a while because we're going to see each other next week. I'm going to Texas. So. And we're going to see each other probably again in January when I'm back in DC. Exactly. So I actually think I see you a lot more than some of my friends who live out of state. Uh, Two to three times a year, but uh, which I guess is a lot or a little depending on, you know, perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Okay. Um, Any housekeeping? So we will be covering the end of Sister Wives. The four-part Tell Nothing is going (laughs) to be over. And we are going to just do a a little wrap-up of these last two episodes on Patreon. Um, As per usual, After Party will be on Patreon. And also, um, Maps does not have a new episode the week of Christmas. Or the week after. Yeah, that's the week of Christmas. So December 27th, they have a uh, something else going on. But we will be putting out a Christmas present for you, one of our Patreon episodes. So enjoy. And uh, happy holidays. <laughs> what do they have? It's like the journey so far, right? Yeah. Kevin what, is hosting. What journey? It's nine episodes. Well, ten, I guess. But I'm just... Journey so far, it's just seems very early to be doing all that. They could have done like a where are they now special or something else, but not a journey so far. Like it's the same thing we're going to see. Lauren and Orion beat that to death and the honeymoon. They were in the honeymoon for like five of the episodes. <laughs> I think what it is though, I, I don't tend to watch a lot of like TV during the holidays, depending Cause you're running around, you're doing stuff. You're seeing this person, you're seeing that person. You're going to this party. So I feel like the networks are like, why would we give you something new to watch? You're not going to watch it. Well, I do want to say that I think there are two camps of people. The holidays for me is where I feel like I can catch up on my TV because I'm not, 
trying to hang out and do that and do this is for me to catch up and binge and catch up on all the stuff that I've missed. And my other TV watching friends are the same way. We're like, I've talked to my friend, like, what are we catching up on this holidays and all that kind of stuff? So maybe there are two camps. Sounds like that's what they're banking on. So I don't know about you. I'm tired. I don't want to hang out all the time. It's just a lot of work. I just want to veg during the holidays. I have a like a half full calendar already, and I'm sure things will come up. Yeah, but you like to stay busy <laughs> or undo things and stuff. I just, I get tired, so I want to just recoup. Anyways, well, I'm glad that the holidays can be what they can be for everybody, and I hope everybody enjoys however the holidays function for them. So, how are the uh, Mapsland people enjoying their holiday season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually do have updates this week. Um, first is that Dom is a homeowner. She bought a house. Congratulations to her. Did not see any sign of Kirsten, so I do not think Kirsten was her realtor. I don't know how that works. I mean, you're not obligated to use <laughs> your coworker, but I'm just like, is that awkward that they don't use her as a realtor? It depends. Um <laughs> This is where you're like, all you guys are like, we're such good friends. But I'm like, if that was your real bestie, bestie, I feel like you would use them as your realtor. But what do I know? I mean, devil's advocate. They've never really, when it comes to Dom, being like, that's my girl. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's an out for them. But speaking of besties, the season, uh, the season 16 guys had a mental health Monday, like an Instagram live um, talking about that. And the poster had all four men um on the season except mckinley but then they had a second picture on the slide that included mckinley i don't know if it was part of it but you guys i was sitting there like well somebody's missing who's missing who's missing i had to list them all out through the couples before i landed on mckinley so i don't know maybe because i mean he doesn't have to live in the same um he doesn't have to be in the same location for a live because i don't think Shaq is there but I just found that interesting why they had two slides, but then they had just the men and then the second slide was McKinley. So if anyone joined, can you confirm for us if McKinley was part of it? But from what I saw, he wasn't going to be part of it. I'm pretty sure it's a schedule conflict. I don't think it's beef or anything. I just thought it was interesting that the first slide had the four men and then the last slide had all five of the men on there. Hmm. I don't think I ever provided an update on this that but Noi because I was like I don't want to be speculating on these people but Noi did confirm that that boyfriend that she was talking about that they're done um they're not together anymore but the reason this came back up was that she had a uh, get ready with me like that this is a grown date date night outfit so I don't know if she was going out on a date or she was just doing it for fun but that's what made me recall and I was like oh I don't think I put an update that Noi is not with that guy anymore. I hope that she was getting ready for a date so she could go find a new guy. She's working on her skincare product, I think. So I would I don't know when that's gonna launch, but yeah. Um, I think we've mentioned this before, but just in case someone didn't catch it, and you know, we're on a factory schedule with maps and also speaking for myself personally i do mix up the locations of maps and love is blind 
um, all the time. So Love is Blind announced that season six is going to be launching February 14th on Valentine's Day. I mean, as always, God willing, we are going to cover it. And I hope they learn from their mistakes, but I doubt it because they probably filmed it before all this mess. So good luck to them. But for maths, next season is going back to Chicago. And then after that, we are going back to Texas and they're going to be in Austin. So just wanted to put that out there to refresh everyone's memory. Every time I think of Austin, I think of that first season of The Ultimatum, which to me was so bad. (laughs) And I'm like, why would a dating show go to Austin? But what do I know? (laughs) Um, Speaking of... No, we weren't speaking about divorce, but speaking of Beth and Jamie's (laughs) divorce... Beth did clarify. I guess she had to ask me anything. I kind of missed it, but I did catch that she clarified that she filed for divorce on October 3rd and it wasn't Jamie because I believe Jamie was probably claiming that he filed for divorce sometime in July, that after he didn't hear from her, he didn't know what was going on and all that. And she said, she's the one who filed, not him. And it's always so fascinating to me when people go from love to hate and are separating and divorces get nasty. How there's just always two sides of the story somewhere in the middle is the truth, but it's like, how do people just come up with two very different stories? And if one person's lying, why is one person lying? Like, do they just really believe that that's their truth? Like a filing is public. You can see when someone filed, why would you lie about that? (laughs) I just, I don't understand. This is just a personal opinion, but people put a lot of stock in who filed first. And I don't know why, because to me, whoever filed doesn't mean who want, doesn't want to be married. And I know that that's counterintuitive, but a lot of people will not want to be married, but will refuse to file. And so the person who they're acting like they don't want to be married to is the one who's forced to do it. So it, I don't even understand why you would lie about it, because who cares? Who cares who filed? Yeah. Yeah, it's very um very interesting. But I think I don't know if she cared, but I do recall in the beginning when it happened, maybe she just is feeling like he's lying a lot about a lot of things and maybe this is yet another lie. And she's just clarifying like I'm the one who filed, you know, not him like he claims to be. But I, I think my thing was like, but why would you it was more to him like why would you lie about it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Justin from the San Diego season had like this long post about his journey from being compassionate, people making fun of him for being emotional on his season and that, you know, the journey from being compassionate to being savage comes with the consequence of hurting people around him and he has to find the balance. I I, I don't know if this was some kind of thing, I don't, he's still with his girlfriend last that I knew because at first I read it and it was like, is this some kind of cryptic message about, you know, you're being savage and protecting your peace and breaking up or whatever. I don't know what it was, but it was a really long caption that I don't still know what the point was, but basically it seems that Justin is leaning towards being savage and it's hurting people around him. So there's that. I I, I got nothing. <laughs> and finally finally the iris is engaged 
she is going to write a Sheila, like no hard launch. We're not mentioning we're dating anybody. We're just telling you when we're engaged and the wedding is around the corner because she's never talked about anyone that she's dating or anything, but it was a People Magazine exclusive. So she's engaged. Congratulations to her. I would love to know how people decide that certain people are worthy and others are not because Kate didn't get no people magazine exclusive. Other people have, even Sheila got, didn't get a people magazine exclusive. I wonder if Iris is just so notorious <laughs> that she gets a people magazine exclusive. I think it depends on your management. If you have PR and you have people and you just want to contact that maybe it's a week where, Oh, they need um, content or something like that. That people seems to be wrapping it up on um, reality stars, reality stars. So their pregnancy announcements, their engagements and weddings, they just give them like a little slot in the magazine and put it in there. So if your PR really fights hard, because I think Iris has good management. Like she's still been like an influencer for her to get that, even no matter how small it was, that movie, uh, that part in Netflix. Was that her? Yeah, it was her. It was Iris. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie Netflix. And she does like content like with fashion and she's kind of like still a model and stuff. I think she has good PR that can wiggle her a little caption or a little widget in the magazine. So got it. Yeah. Okay, that's all I got. And we will be back to discuss this week's episode. They say time waits for no one, and neither should payday. To keep your money moving in the direction of your dreams, get Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. You can use the money you get from Earnin to make sure you have your spending money ready for your fun spring break trips to the beach. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earn In today. That's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Auto Call on the podcast because when you sign up, it'll really help the show. That's Auto Call on the podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. If you're like me and looking to cut back on alcohol this year, Recess Zero Proof Craft Mocktails are the perfect alcohol replacement. They've recreated the cocktails you know and love, like a lime margarita and a grapefruit paloma, which happens to be my favorite, so you can enjoy the flavors and feelings of those cocktails without the booze. Zero proof, zero compromise. Listeners can get 15% off the Recess Mocktail Sampler at takearecess.com slash MAFS. Each can of Recess is a lightly sparkling mocktail made with real fruit and only 25 calories or less. It's a guilt-free way to unwind. They taste just like your favorite cocktails, without the alcohol. Whether you're relaxing after work or hanging out with friends, make Recess Mocktails your drink between drinks or your forever mocktail. Get 15% off Recess Mocktails now at takearecess.com slash altercallmafs. That's A-L-T-A-R-C-A-L-L-M-A-F-S. 
so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. And we are back. Okay, Aid, how are we feeling about this episode? Eh, it's a little blah, but you know, there were fireworks. Um, I don't like the friends and family and the things and the whatever, but this wasn't too bad. In the rankings of all the friends and families, this wasn't bad. It wasn't as painful. Um, and things happened, so it was good. I'm still enjoying the season, but I think it's taking a downturn in terms of like the enjoyment level from the first five episodes. Mm-hmm. It seems to be getting, maybe it's settling in. And it's just becoming, ha-ha-ha. And also maybe because we're all thinking, like, none of these people are going to make it. It's not looking like, again, Becca and Austin, but it's not looking like <laughs> the rest of them are going to make it. So there's nothing to look forward to. But I'm still not sure about Becca and Austin, but they're actually one of my favorite couples to watch because I keep on seeing red flags. <laughs> really? Yeah, oh, but I'm like, maybe I don't know anything. <laughs> Are you going to talk about it through the episode? Yes, yes, we'll get okay. into it. All right, okay, let's get in. So we find out it's Becca's birthday, and there's a selfie cam where Brennan is telling us that he has decided to move in. Decided, not that it's part of what you should do, but he <laughs> has decided to move in and get ready for the housewarming. But he says it in the most monotone voice ever, like not a peep of excitement. Clara says living together is easy and natural. One of the things that she learned is that he is a night shower and she's a morning shower. And um, that's all great. But I learned earlier that there are people who shower at night and do not shower in the morning, which I mean, great. But honestly, you do get a lot of like night sweat or something when you sleep overnight. So I've never really understood that. But good luck to them, I guess. Not everybody night sweats. <laughs> yeah, but not everybody night sweats, but isn't there like, I don't know. I just feel like there's still stuff accumulated when you sleep. If you Okay, maybe not everybody drools, but everybody, it just feels like you shower when you wake up. <laughs> but I guess not. Um, Emily and Brennan. Um, Emily meets up with her friend Sophie. She tells her that everything was amazing. Their values are aligned. I always find it interesting that that is the language that is used. The values are aligned. And he was into her and things took a turn in the honeymoon. And communication is a big issue. I did want to bring up um, on our last episode with um, Emily and Brennan. People had a bunch of comments. Thank you so much. We do like it when you guys are interactive. So Sweet Music 09 says that... And I forgot about this. I don't think we touched on it. That do you we remember that Emily had the issue where she never gets a second date and guys keep ghosting her? And in this case, is it a case of that she's getting she got married, so it's not like she can get ghosted? But is it a is it a common denominator that this would be the equivalent of being ghosted if she was dating? Like, what is the thing that makes guys ghost Emily? Like, I'm just curious, like, what could it be? Like if you could interview all the people who she's dated, what was the thing? And it'll be interesting to know if it's the same thing. Cause for the life of me, I cannot come up with what it is that Brennan doesn't like about Emily. I don't know what it is. I cannot believe that it's one thing. Okay. Yeah. I just can't, 
I think I, maybe that's an odd belief to have, but I'm like, it can't be the same thing every time. I do love this sweet music pointed this out, but I, I'm of the opinion that it must be a different thing for each guy. Yes. But what is the thing that you can't even get a second date? I just think that's so like, and multiple people just keep ghosting you. That's interesting. But the sweet music also pointed out that, um, Brendan's mom also mentioned that he wasn't ready, um, to get married. So not, putting all the blame on Emily, but both of them have it. Um, Zoe thinks that a girl hit Brennan, a girl in town hit Brennan up and then it switched his mind and it was giving um, Ryan from Houston vibes. And I was like, that's also another angle. And Keeks thinks that Brennan should have told Emily off camera, whatever it is that was bothering him. I agree with all of those. The fact that Brennan is talking to somebody else is a definite that's a good theory. No evidence yet, but a good theory. <laughs> this is one of those things where I actually believe we will go this whole season and we will never actually figure out what happened. They'll never I agree, tell us. Which is why I'm so frustrated. I just feel like there's so many questions and we're not going to get answers to any of this. Considering that I'm still of the belief that Brennan should not tell Emily. <laughs> Whatever it is. But Yeah. Um, I find Emily it hard to believe it could be just like one thing. I don't know. I think it can. Okay. I think it can. Um, Emily tells her friend, Sophie, that he hates being on camera. And I'm annoyed because as much as people that say, oh, it takes me a while to open up. If you know you're going to hate being on camera or you care so much about what, how you look or whatever, don't come on. Like, you, sh- you should know that. So she says that she's giving him the benefit of the doubt and hopes that next week is lighter. We move on to Claire and Cameron. Claire is surprising Cameron at work and bringing him food. It's a sandwich, but I'm like, okay, this is nice. Let's see how this goes. She brought him a sandwich and it was funny because she said, you said you weren't that hungry, so I ate the other half. And I'm like, okay, half a sandwich. But then a bunch of people online said, that is the most married thing ever. Um, I don't know that I would do that, but apparently it's normal. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I'll just bring you a half sandwich. I'm not going to eat the other half, but yeah. So I did wonder if she made the sandwich or if she bought it. But also when she gave it to him, I'm like, guys, just give each other a peck or something. If we needed proof that these people are not aligned in any way, this is it. Like they're just awkward together. There's just no affection at all. Um, yeah. And also, I think she's a fan of like this cutesy crochet sweaters or stuff like that. Because she had like a black sweater. It is cute, but I don't know how to describe it. But it was cute though. I don't know if you had cats on it. <laughs> a la Sutton. Um, she asks him about his job. And he tells her more about his job and what he does. He says that his degrees deal with carbon fiber and he's one of five experts in the country. My read is that Claire is not interested, but as a good wife, she is showing interest because it's what he loves. Did you read it that way? That's a good read. Because she's like, "Uh uh-huh, (laughs) uh-huh, (laughs) uh-huh. I liked that Cameron got the opportunity. Because I'm like, how many times do we get to see people at work, depending on where they work? 
So yeah. I'm assuming his bicycle company was like, oh, we'll take the free advertising because we had their name, we had their sign, he was wearing a jacket with their name on it. I, I thought it was good advertising. Good, 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 good. And I've never in my life met someone with this job. So I was actually interested. Like, oh, there is a carbon specialist. Who knew? Who knew? Yeah. I mean, it is his company. So he's the boss. So he can do whatever he wants to do. Oh, I didn't know it was his company. Yeah, he said that when they met. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, She says, you're good at it. Uh, but are you passionate about it? Which to me is again, Claire nitpicking because I think it's enough to just, oh, this is nice. It's what you do because it's like you're trying to find a hole in that this man just gave you a whole thing, said it with pride that he's one of the five experts in the country, gave you a whole thing about carbon fiber, all the things that he does. And then you're like, okay, that's good. That's nice and all, but are you passionate about it? Okay. Like, some people don't want to be passionate about stuff. Like they just want to do what they do. Some people are okay. with just getting a paycheck. Some people are just fine. with just fitting in what they're good at. Like if he says he's not passionate, then what next? I don't know. I just thought that that question could have been skipped. I also thought it was a silly question based on what he told her on the honeymoon. When they first talked about this, clearly he's passionate about his job. Well, I think it's because she, she's, she's, I don't want to say embarrassed, but she doesn't like what he does for a living and she wishes she could change it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But anyways, Cameron says, I'm both. And she goes, oh, it's amazing. It's amazing that you can run a business. I'm like, okay. So he says that he has a project for her and they're going to work on a bike. And you can tell once again, she's like, oh my God, no, I don't want to do this. But she's a champ and she does do it. And she tells us that it's an attractive trait to see someone do something that they love and it could help with uh, growing attraction. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Nothing is going to help at this point. Um, Becca and Austin are the first to have their friends come over. I will say that I found it interesting that usually when the couple, someone has a birthday, they all gather and they make a big deal. But maybe because it fell within the family and friends thing, I was surprised that they did not do anything. Um, oh, I wasn't. I figured. <laughs> I don't think they actually celebrate birthdays. It's just the timing of when they have to get together is usually around someone's birthday. Okay. So I've never felt like they intentionally celebrated birthdays on mass together. Okay, that's fair. So Becca's friends come by and they they tell them that living together has been good. The communication is good. They mention the religious um, differences, and but they say that they're working through it. And as a sidebar, I couldn't help but notice the one friend who had like a strong underhand grip on her glass or her drink that she was drinking. And I was like, this is very interesting. So, um, oh, sorry. They're not coming by the house. This is when they all go to a restaurant and they're all talking and stuff. So, and Austin is with them at this point. So the friends ask, so I have to ask, how is the sex life and how is that going? And Austin says that he's a slow one. And he's trying to, you know, take it slow, build a foundation. And Becca just says that she's taking his lead. Um, as a sidebar, I know T-Mob mentioned, this is a comment, hi T-Mob, that um, she felt like he was trying to, 
you know, cover for her with her medical things. And I just thought that was a good point. I didn't think he was covering because he's been saying he wants to take it slow. But I'm also curious that Becca keeps saying she's taking his lead. And she it seems like she's ready to have sex. But she can't even get into water. So how is she able to have sex? Like, why is she not saying... I can't have sex yet because of my medical stuff. Like that's not coming out. And I found that interesting. It is a bit confusing. It is a bit confusing. Cause I, yeah. 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 I'm not sure which it is. Yeah, and I'm not sure what the timing was. Like, could she not getting water and have sex the week of the honeymoon, but now she can, was she at the end of the recovery? But anyway, they don't have to tell us. But in the context of why are you guys not having sex, it's a bit confusing. Yeah, that's a good question. Because remember, she also couldn't wear a tight dress because she just had the surgery. And based on the kind of surgery that she had, it's usually like six weeks. So it's just, I don't know. It's very interesting. So Austin leaves to go get a drink or the producer tells him to get out. And the friends say that they love him and they can let the Jesus thing slide. (laughs) That was funny. So they ask her if she's falling in love. She says, not yet. And they don't say, I love you. Um, I think what she told Pastor Carl was like, they say, I love you as a person, but not like the romantic um, love. So the friend asks her, so how do you really feel about not having sex? And she says, he's the first guy that she hasn't had sex with. And she at first she thought that he wasn't attracted, but it just seems like he needs time and she's willing to respect that. Okay, we will be right back to discuss Emily and Brennan's move-in. And we're back. So these two move in, and Emily says that she hopes they can move on and set themselves up for success. Emily has a ton of stuff. Like, she was bringing in... I was trying to take a peek into the thing. I saw some Costco tissue paper in there, and... I was just like, wow, that's a lot of stuff. Before we get down to where the friends and everything, I made a note like, um, Brennan doesn't seem to be helping her bring them up. And I was just like, is he that rude or does he really hate her that he's not even going to offer to help? Because at some point, I think he opens her suitcase and he's like, yeah, I'm not even going to touch this, which I thought was an invasion of privacy. I wondered what was in the suitcase because the suitcase was in the kitchen. Yeah, she was just moving up all her stuff and dropping so them. So I thought the suitcase might be holding kitchen items. Um, No, I, I just thought she was dropping all the stuff and fitting them where it could before they moved. Oh, who knows? I don't know. We find out some of the stuff that she brought on after party. But either way, it was just the way he went in. At first, I thought it was his suitcase. But then when he was like, yeah, I'm not even going to go there. I'm like, why would you even go in there without her being there? But okay. He says that he finds it overwhelming, but he's hopeful that living together will help them be closer. He did bring up his goal of never getting divorced. And they start having this conversation about showers and how he processes during showers and how there was a long, he took long showers in Mexico. And he was like, there was a lot to process in Mexico. So I um, so I guess his downturn started before, cause I mean, the narrative is that it started after the honeymoon, like on the last day, but if he was processing a lot in Mexico, it seems like it started in Mexico. I don't even understand what that means. I had a lot to process in Mexico. 
Like, I, I'm truly confused as to what all the processing is. My assumption was what he told, who did they meet? Was it Pascal? Yeah, it was Pascal. When he said it, the wedding, everything, it was all adrenaline. And then he hits you that, oh my God, I am married to this person and it is real. And like, oh shit, what do I do? So that was how I took what he was processing. But what was the processing? Because it seemed all good. What changed? Um, we get a Lauren and Orion um sighting this episode. We thought we were done, but we're not done because I think they were even in next week's preview. So mm-hmm. they're, they're gonna milk the shit out of them. So Lauren meets up with her brother and sister-in-law at the same time that Orion is meeting up with his friend Dom. I loved Lauren's Bob, but I'm a sucker for a Bob anyways, and hers was just nice. The braids are out, the honeymoon's done. I also loved Lauren Terre. We've seen Lauren Terre a few different ways. This was probably my favorite. Yeah. Orion says it would be unfair to continue with her after losing romantic interest. Um, Dom rightfully asks what his family thought. He says his family was disappointed. He didn't get what he wanted out the process. I'm still curious about what his family thought about the whole thing. I, like, especially after watching. And we usually hate when they bring family to the reunion. But I'm fine if they want to bring out his mom or his sister. And I really want to know what they think after mm-hmm. they watch what happened. Um, Lauren says it wasn't her choice, but she supports his his decision. She says that she has been through all of the emotions and what she feels the most is pain and resentment. Dom asks Orion if he's open to meeting someone else at this point, and Orion says not right now, that he had genuine feelings for Lauren, and right now it hurts. Lauren says she's trying to take the lesson, and it sucks that she doesn't have a partner that that thought that it could work out. Her brother-in-law says effort is a two-way street and her sister-in-law says that you can't control how other people receive you, which I thought was the word of the day. You can only do your best and people are going to either like you or not. And she said, if there's no forgiveness, the marriage was never going to work anyways. Her sister-in-law says at the end of the day, Lauren is still a bad bitch. It is not her. It is him. And hopefully it's the last time she sees his motherfucking ass. That's a quote. (laughs) And and the fact that she's saying all this, but by her face, you could tell that she was still holding back. So she, <laughs> but she was still holding back. But I like that for Lauren because it's very easy to go down a rabbit hole and blame yourself and go through all this. So it's good to have to know that she has people that are in her corner. I um, love the sister-in-law. I loved her when she was at the wedding. I loved her at this latest episode. Like she just. Everybody needs good support in their life. And we can definitely see that she's that for Lauren. Yeah. I like how her brother doesn't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he did. The the brother-in-law did. The brother-in-law was the one who said it's a two-way street. And there has to be forgiveness. So he didn't say much, but it was wise. One line. Emily and Brennan go to a store called The Wizard's Chest that looks really fun. They're shopping for wigs. But they they were trying to decide the theme for their housewarming, and they decided it's going to be a wig party. She feels like it's fun, and that the fact that Brennan is willing to do this with her is a good sign. She makes a comment that it will be fun to have serious conversation in the wigs, and he's suddenly like, I have to take this off. I was just thinking about that. That's like a, one of our many examples of how conscious 
Brennan is of what people think. And I just always think that that's, that holds you back in life. When you're so worried about what other people think that you're not going to be able to do anything because you'd be bogged down by that. Like you were having fun. And the minute she says that, you're like, oh, I have to take this off. I was just thinking about that. Like, mm. it's, it's not a, I don't even, it's not a good look. It, it, <laughs> every time he tries to make himself look better, he looks worse. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He says he's happy that he decided to move in and too much time apart is not good. And he's glad that she trusted him to figure it out. Like, okay. Am I the only one who finds that problematic? Um, I, I it felt a little delusional. Like, figure out what? It was either you moving <laughs> in or not. Like, <laughs> what is it that you figured out? But mm. you figured out you wanted to participate in the process? Because the thing is, when figured it out, I didn't, he didn't figure out, oh, I really like Emily and I want to live with her. That's not what happened. Yeah. 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 So they get home and they're being really goofy with the wigs. I really enjoyed the scene because they seem to be letting loose and they have fun. Emily's, uh, Alter Ego has a British accent and they name them Veronica and Jimmy. Um, we see that Austin and Becca, their theme is going to be our charcuterie um, board. I was like, is that all they're going to eat? But <laughs> so Claire and Cameron, oh boy. Their theme is anything but the cup. I honestly didn't get it at first, but you can't drink anything that is in. You, she said you can't drink anything that is in a, in a cup. And I was like, what? I found out later what they meant. And then she tries to blow air into a balloon and it didn't work. She says she's getting everything ready and Cameron is getting the food. Cameron comes back. He does not have the food and her demeanor changes. She's like, if I had known the food wasn't covered, I would have taken care of it. Cameron is like, we're in downtown Denver. We can get food anytime. She goes, yeah, but it's very last minute and it was his one job. But then Cameron says fussing over the balloons of all things. And he's like, there's so many balloons. They're going to pop. And then they start with their passive aggressive nitpicking. Like these are people again, that are just not compatible because it doesn't matter what they say. And every time they have these conversations, I, I don't think either is completely wrong or right. Like, okay, let's talk about this food thing. I understand that I'm in the camp of Claire because I'm the kind of person who just likes things to be taken care of. Let's figure this out. Let's do this. Cameron is the kind of person that it seems that he's very carefree. Nothing bothers him. It's all going to work out and all that. I don't know how to operate with that. So it's a little irritating and I can see how that can be, but he's not exactly wrong. Yes, there's going to be food that's going to be there. But like we find out later when he tries to order, there's like a window. You have to account for things that are unforeseen. But I can see how Claire can go too extreme on that and how Cameron could go too extreme on that. I don't think either of them are wrong, but they just can't get it together. They really can't. And I think part of Cameron's like nonchalance was these parties have like five, six people total. Like, how much food do you need? And I also felt like Claire's like, oh, we had split responsibilities. I've worked so hard. You went and bought some balloons and blew up five of them. That's all the work you've done. So her getting high fee about him not getting the food, I was like, eh, should he have gotten the food? Should he have had a plan? Like, this is what I'm going to do and then execute. I totally agree. 
But it wasn't, I don't know, it doesn't seem that hard. It doesn't, but I don't know. I, I can totally agree that I'm on Claire's side because I can relate to that. I just like, if there was a plan and that was what was supposed to be done, if it's not a big deal, then just say, the least he could have done is like, yes, this is what we're going to get and I'm going to order it at this. But he seemed to come in with nothing. And it's just, oh, we'll figure it out as time goes on and all that kind of stuff. So Cameron says that he hopes that it doesn't ruin the night. She says they have two hours till the guests come. And he's like, yeah, there's an empanada place down there. She's like, okay, so should we order ahead? Which sounds reasonable to me. He's like, yes, but if we do, it'll be older food. I'm like, there's an oven? There's a microwave? Like, what does that mean? I don't... Everything I get that either. <laughs> escalated to like, a, they just seem to just butt heads and not see things the same way. So then she asks him, what is your anything but the cup? But this is where I really got annoyed because he had nothing ready. Because again, I understand there are two different kind of people. He's just like, it can't be that hard to find something that's not a cup and I can find it. But for Claire, who again, AKA me, I'm just like, yes, it's not that hard, but just have it. Just so I feel like we're on the same, but when you don't have the food, you don't have the anything but the cup, it just feels like, and then we find out later on that your friends are not coming. You just seem like you don't care. So altogether, it's just really annoying. Um, Yeah, so when he didn't have the anything but the cup thing, she goes, uh, how unprepared are you? And he's like, good thing I'm like the best husband. I'm like, not the jokes, no. <laughs> so... <laughs> So she carefully asked, like, you know, why is his friend Tilo or something not coming? And he's like, yeah, they were going to come, but all my friends were tied up. All your friends? Come on. Again, we get more insight into this on After Party. But they have this whole thing about ordering the food. He tries to order it. It has to be two hours ahead. Clara's like, oh, that's my bad. I said, it was just, I'm like, oh, my God, just the simplest thing with these guys becomes like the worst thing and again there is doordash there is uber eats like i'm just so confused and you can schedule the times but anyways cameron says claire seems stressed and he doesn't think it's about the food it's about her being nervous about him meeting her friends and this made me remember what you said last week aid about cameron always seemingly explaining claire's feelings and I was like, well, she never kind of disagrees with it. And I think that happens. Again, it happens in After Party, but she kind of agrees that he's right, that it's not really about the food. Um, on the However, <laughs> he was right that it wasn't about the food. He got that part right. However, his guess about what it actually was about was actually incorrect because she said something different in After Party. Yes, yes, yes. So Claire says that she always likes to be prepared, but the fact that they aren't, she's just going to try not to stress about it. I will say that she does try to be accommodating um, to Cameron's, I won't call them mood swings. I don't know what they are. Secret resentment. I don't know what it is, but I don't know. Something about these two, they're just not getting it together. What I like about them, and I'll say this probably till the day of decision day, they just keep on trying. <laughs> that is Claire and Cameron's thing. They don't give up. They do exactly what they've been told to do. They keep trucking. Yeah. So Austin and Becca, they're making their charcuterie board. 
His friend Derek comes and brings a bonsai tree and some games. Um, her friends Gina and Lauren come. It's a little confusing because there's another Lauren at another party. But yeah, there, there's a lot of Laurens. And we have our Lauren. So lots of Laurens to go around. Um, their charcuterie board was top-notch. Jams, cheeses. I feel like a lot of people forget the jam on the charcuterie board, but I quite enjoy it. Mm-hmm. The meats... And I understand that the cheese board and a charcuterie board are two different things, but I use them interchangeably. That guy's like, oh, this will all be fine. I think their friends will get along. They got along at the wedding, so they'll probably get along tonight. And Becca says that their friends are important to both of them and that it's awesome. Did you know that she made her confessional with gum in her mouth? Oh, I did not see that. Yeah, she had gum in her mouth. Austin is outside with her friends and he asks about um, like advice, information about exes. And the friends say that open communication was a problem in the past and previous partners weren't able to talk about issues. She basically, she asks his friend the same thing and he says, Oh, he could be a tough nut to crack. And she's like, Oh, it's funny to hear that because he's been so open. <laughs> they're they're they that they're building a solid friendship and they also think the other person is cute she tells his friend you know what a great friend he is but you don't know what his makeout abilities are and both are great <laughs> Derek laughs and he's like good to know eric asks if there's anything i'm sorry Derek asks if there's anything she hasn't gotten and she says that he, she sometimes brings some stuff up with him and he'll very eloquently say, I'm not able to talk about it, but later on they do talk about it. What do you think of this? I don't know if it's a code word for off camera, on camera. Ah. So, because it seems like a lot of the talking happens off camera. On camera, more of what we've seen is let's just keep it nice and light so that's what my presumption was okay Derek says that he thinks Becca is great um and that a lot of the things that Austin says when discussing Becca are things that he said when he first met his now wife which was really sweet Mm -hmm. Becca says like meeting Austin's friends and them being good people validates that he's probably a good person Um, Lauren and Gina talk to Austin about religion and faith and how they're going to deal with it. Becca basically has the same identical discussion. What I did like about it is what she told her, his friends is the same thing that he told her friends, which is we've talked about it. And it's like, Austin isn't, I guess the type of Christian who she's usually had problems with before. Um, but she hopes that there can still be compromise there. I don't know what she means by like bending. Like, are we talking about what religion we're raising kids in? Are we talking about which faith traditions we practice? I'm a little bit confused about what the resolution on the religion thing is. Like, what is she looking for? What is he looking for? I think all of the above, including not forcing me to believe in something that you believe in, because it does have to play a part. Like you can't, when they have kids, you're going to have to decide how you're going to raise the kids. But the thing that she has mentioned that is very important to her is not trying to convert me or trying to say like, I'm a bad person because I don't believe in X, Y, Z. 
But I think majority of it would be the kids thing. Okay. So Derek says that Austin has never really talked a lot about religion and that Derek is actually an atheist and it's just never been a thing. So this, I think that these interactions with Becca is the first time Derek has ever heard about Austin and his Christianity. He said that the first time was when he started the process, that he never really heard him talk about this stuff until he started this process and then he started coming up a lot more, which I found very interesting. And I, I mean, and then maybe it's not so far-fetched because they say things like, you know, like when you become a parent, you start looking at things differently. So maybe for him, with the very detailed questions that you ask, you start questioning, you know, you become introspective about the things that you believe in. And maybe he started realizing like, oh, these are the things that are important to me. And that's when he started coming up like, oh, this might be something I need to look more into. And it's still interesting that someone is your best friend and this is new to them. It's one thing you not realizing how important, but not knowing that this is <laughs> a huge part of your life. And considering that his friend is an atheist, I just think that's something that should have come up in conversation. So that was very strange to me. I don't know. Is this one of the red flags for you? And I don't actually say red flag about a person. Um, Cause I think Austin and Becca are great. I think it's more of a red flag for this relationship. Like, how are you two going to move forward? This seems to be a big hurdle that you're both downplaying. But I think part of the issue is that Austin is not sure where he stands. So he can't clearly communicate that to Becca. And this is where I think their approach in the honeymoon is going to help that it helped that they got to kind of know each other without focusing on, oh, this person is religious. I don't want to do anything with them. They seem to appreciate who they are as people. And I think that's what's making it more confusing for them on, either more confusing or making them more accepting of the different stances that they have and being willing to bend. Except what does bending entail? Exactly. Yeah. I do think he was, sorry, going really, really back. I think it was cute when Austin told her friends, like, what do I need to know to not become an ex-boyfriend? If that doesn't <laughs> scream committed, I don't know what is, but I thought that was a really cute question. Don't I have hope for Austin and Becca? I have a lot of hope for them, actually. What else do I have? Um, but uh, I just, I'm like, eh, this is time to like, eh. um, But anyway. Um, for those who I don't have as much hope for, uh, Brennan and Emily. So they're cheersing before their guests arrive. Kiara and Alex are Emily's friends. Um, they bought these little tiny hands from the wig store. Um, I don't really get what the tiny hands reference is. It's like a joke I don't get, I guess. Em they're standing around, they're talking, and Emily mentions, oh yeah, I had all this stuff that I brought in. Uh, and that she moved it all by herself with her bad wrist because she was on a mission. And that is where we learned that Brennan, like we saw it. Uh, but yeah, Brennan did not help her at all. Uh, Brennan's friends are Chris and a guy who I swear they never told us his name. She says, hey, um, his friends were at the wedding and her friends were not at the wedding. That is, I think, what I got out of what she was saying. Once again, Brennan then kind of like lectures Alex on fun when it comes to the wig. And after that incident where he was like, 
so offended that someone said that he might not be having fun. I was like, this is strange. Um, everybody puts on the wigs. Uh, Alex, I think, changes wigs from one color to the other. And Brennan tells her friends that they look great in the wigs. I'm telling you, my eagle eye is on this man because I remember either an after party or something, Emily mentioned that Brennan gives other women compliments, but he does not give her compliments. Yes, yes, yes. So they both do the whole, let's sit down with the friends. Emily sits down. One of the friends jokes, this is like a job interview. Um, But she tells them that she wonders if he's ready for this level of commitment. Lauren and Kiara sit down with Brennan and they're like, what made you do this? And he does like the spiel, like, oh, I was going on dates. It wasn't going anywhere. I want a partner. Kiara says Emily is supportive and she's been a backbone for this relationship. But Lauren hasn't heard of him being a backbone for her. And he's like, I feel like I'm supportive. And he does plan on doing this for her. Kiara says, it sounds like you're giving more than you receive. Like, did you help her move her shit? I thought that that was a good point to make. And he says like, yeah, if this was real life, I'd hundred percent help her move. And Lauren's like, this is real life. That was a very poor excuse. I was like, did the producers tell you to not help her move so they could capture her moving everything in? That's the only thing I could think of why you would say if this was real life, I would have helped her move. Yeah. That was my question too. Like what would prompt him to say if this was real life? I, I that was very, and I wished that was asked in after party but uh, if he showed up that would be nice like what does if this was real life mean but i have no idea let's just say that this conversation is a little bit of an attack (laughs) from that point on i'm just like you girls are a bit you're not doing your friend any good um and it seems very you centered like this is what we think this is what you should do this Anyway, it continues. So Lauren says he's failing to understand that this is real life. Like you guys got married. Kiara says she's worried and upset. She thinks that Emily deserves the world and she's not sure that he's giving that to her. Brennan is like, uh, and then the example that they next use makes absolutely no sense. And then there are video receipts to back it up. This one of the, Kiara starts yelling at him about how he didn't help Emily take stuff out of the oven. And that she offered to help arrange the things as they fell out of, as they came out of the oven. But then we watched video back, and Brennan did take stuff out of the oven. Tane, what was your thoughts on OvenGate? I am waiting for you to be done with the entire conversation because I am on the opposite. You know, we did a thing on Instagram, and everyone was like, "The friends came in hot. They came in." I do not feel that way. So I'm just waiting to say everything when you're done. And I know everyone's going to come for me, but I do not feel that way. So I agree with them. (laughs) I do not doubt that Brennan sucks and all of this. This is just not the the example of not helping her bring the stuff in the house. Great example. The oven example. I think the part of me is just like, but this woman is injured and you're not like all over her being like, how can I help? That is Exactly. Exactly. And an oven gate, like, yes, like I, you want a cookie because you got it out the oven. Like, are you serious? Okay, you got it out. And she's doing it with one hand, her left hand that's not injured. So she's trying to arrange stuff. You could also still do it. 
what's wrong if you do it? He's like, oh, I got it out of the oven. So you're saying because I didn't arrange stuff that that's a problem? Motherfucker, yes. Like, go ahead and at least <laughs> ask or at least ask like you're interested. You're like, no, he made a joke out of it. No, you, because I, who was it that said it? Claire has said in an after party that it's like he laughs at her pain or something, something to that effect or laughs at her or something like that. And he's like, no, she has tiny hands to help her. Ha, 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 ha. Like, you just don't seem like you're being considerate about your wife. So you can take stuff out the oven. You can also plate stuff. It's not a one or the other. So that was really annoying. So I thought that was a good example with Ovengate. And yeah. This is where I, like I said, it actually doesn't matter who who's wrong or who's right. I just don't feel like her friends were serving her well. So Lauren says, you're married to one of my best friends and I'm just trying to figure out like, who are you? Why are you here? And you can't give that to me. She says she's married to one of my best friends like a gazillion times, like <laughs> every single time. I think that's so weird weirdly possessive at one point i was like maybe this is the deal breaker maybe they did a couple facetime calls with her friends or he heard her talking to her friends and he's like i don't want any part of this which is so funny because in the beginning we were like do emily's friends even like her and now here we are (laughs) i i thought it was interesting nicole when we interviewed her talked about how it seems like it's not necessarily that the people most important to you are the people who end up filming. It sounds like whoever is available on the day and time to film are the ones who end up. Because if we got it right, her two friends were not at the wedding because they didn't make that cut or they weren't available. I don't know. But somehow mm-hmm. you're sitting across from this man talking about, she's one of my best friends. I must interrogate you. Yeah. Yeah. So there's more discussion about like Brennan trying to say he thinks he's doing a decent job. He's not perfect. He can't be what she wants on day one, but one day we'll get there. Kiara says she believes in his good intentions, but she wonders if he has the emotional capacity to open up. She's dated guys like that. And he's like, so should I just quit? (laughs) Um, And she says he has hostility, so she's just concerned, and that his reactions are wild to her. I don't think his reactions to these conversations are necessarily wild. I feel like you just guys came in too hot. Brennan is like, I'm still here. Lauren says, buy a string. Brennan is like, you don't think that you saying that is like an attack? But that's like digging words. He said he's trying to make a relationship work with his girl, which is probably the most affectionate sounding Brennan has ever said (laughs) about Emily, like all these episodes. And he's Mm -hmm. like, don't sit there and act like you understand. Lauren starts yelling, well, I do understand. You have signed up for something and you are married to one of my best friends. I'm like, who are you? Brennan's like, I don't know you. Um, And she's like, oh, we're here to get to know you. And he's being resistant. He's like, yeah, I am. Because I, you've been here for 20 minutes and you're like coming at me. And Lauren is like, I feel resistance. He seems resistant to everything. He's attacking and she's concerned. Anyway, you know what? No one looked good there. No one looked good, but I did feel like if I was Brendan, I would be defensive too if those two came after me. <sighs> Let me tell you, after, okay, I watched it. I had my stands. Then we did the Instagram thing and not a one of all the responses that we got, not one person said, no, they were, they were not doing too much. Everyone was like, they came in hot. They had the, they had good intentions, 
but they approached it really wrong. And then on after party, everyone was like, they came in hot. So I did what I do. And I went back to watch the scene and my mind is not changed. I don't think they came in hot. I think they were matching his energy. I think from the very beginning, where he was all making jokes like, oh, well, you're going to get is Justin. It's Justin. And she's like, okay, let's put that aside. Let's get the real you because it is real. And that already adds to your friend tells you all the story and you're already thinking that you're not taking it seriously. You're here to talk to the friends and you're still making a joke like, well, we're going to try and see what we can do. You're not going to get the real me. And I thought the conversation started out respectfully until they said something about, I can't remember what it was they said, and Brennan was like, so I feel like there's a certain instance that happened that, you know, Emily has told you. And it seems like he was annoyed that Emily has shared something with them. And that's when his tone changed and he became defensive before they became rude. They became rude or became hot after they were matching his energy. And he was like, who are you to question my integrity or whatever? Her friends. They're there to question because she has told them something that happened as much as they're trying to say, oh, we don't know and all that kind of stuff. How did you know about the moving? That's where they kind of messed up. They shouldn't have lied about it. Emily did tell you stuff and it's fine. I did like that they focused, you know, on the stuff that they saw, which was the not helping with Ovengate or whatever. But that's when it just became a pissing match. And I just think they matched his energy. I think the lady in the green wig came in way harder. She was not having it at all. And the lady in the pink wig was trying to be like, okay, let's cool it off. Let's try to, you know, what you call it. And it just went left field after that. But honestly, guys, I, I'm, I have to be in the wrong because everybody else is, thinks that they came in too hot. I just don't think that they did. He was already defensive. And I know it, it's, it serves Emily none because they're trying to make you work. But I, I, I I don't know. I watched it again, and I just don't think that they came in hot. That's the part that I'm very focused on is how is this conversation serving Emily, who is supposed to be the common denominator of the conversation? That's why I'm like, they came in too hot. Emily is allowed to tell her friends whatever she wants. They're supposed to use some good judgment. I, they could have been more exploratory. I understand being exploratory with Brennan can sometimes be a waste because he doesn't really talk. I just felt like it felt, to me, it felt very attacking. And does he deserve to be attacked? Probably based on his behavior, but it doesn't help Emily for him to be attacked by her friends. I honestly think that it became an attack because he said it because they were asking regular questions and then he's like, now you're questioning my integrity. I think we've seen many iterations of people asking what are your intentions? No one said that's an attack except Brennan. They said, what are your intentions in this? Because it seemed like, because no, nobody even brought up the fact that he didn't want to move in, which would be valid. So I think they had all good examples. And they said, what are your intentions? You seem to make, I think the choice of words, because that friend said, you're making filming miserable. That's where it was like, maybe the language, but I'm also, why should we you know, make our words more digestible for Brennan because it seems like Emily's doing enough of that. He needs someone to hold his feet to the fire. So I, I don't know. It started out well until Brennan took it to a different level. Uh, that's just what I saw. And I just, mm, I don't know. Again, it doesn't serve Emily, but I think it was a conversation that needed to be had. There was a time in my life where I thought that 
what your friends think about your relationship does not matter. I'm like, it's between you two and that's not it. But as I got older, my stance has changed. I think it does matter what your friends think, not to the point that you take what they say or they have a huge impact on your relationship, but it is for you to have like a 360 relationship. It's nice when you get along with the friends and the family and you get along with all that. So it does matter. And if you are going to be on there, you should try to impress the friends and family. The other thing I was annoyed by was we didn't get more of Emily with his friends. I want Emily to say the things that she's concerned about, him not communicating, him not wanting to um, move in. And I want to see what the friends are going to say about it. And I don't know why we didn't get that. That was annoying. Um, so yeah, so I think he plays a part. I think they want to know questions. They haven't met him and he should just take it in stride. So as much as the friends conversation is not serving Emily, Brennan as her husband is also not serving Emily. It's not on them alone. I do find it interesting that Brennan had a pretty defensive conversation with her parents, completely different, actually like topic. And that in that conversation, he was having to defend their relationship the day after they got married and he did a pretty good job, but that conversation was a little tense. And I think it's interesting that Brennan's conversations with her friends and family were now 0 for 2 in like, (laughs) it gets defensive. Because he's worried about what has been said about him and he doesn't want to look bad. And in this case, he absolutely knows that it's not a good look for the things that weren't even mentioned that he didn't want to move in and that he doesn't find something attractive about her. The friends didn't even bring that up, but he's so in his head and so worried about what has been said that it became all the way to that level. So, nah. And as a sidebar, we've talked about this so long that I finally went back to go watch the whole honeymoon. I'm going all the way back with Orion, Lauren, and Cameron mentioning the reservation. And Orion definitely laughed. And then there was even definite laughter after Cameron said willful ignorance. Okay. I mean, it's been hotly debated, including on our Patreon. Um, but, uh, I I can say, I mean, I haven't gone back and watched as much as you have. And I am, if you say he laughed and you've watched many times, I'm sure he laughed, but I do think his tone of his laughter was not matching the rest of the room. (sighs) Okay. I I mean, I really, because I picked up on it the first time I watched it, that it was not as kosher as everybody else laughing made it seem with Orion. I know you're so busy, but honestly, if you can, it's episode four, right when they're leaving for the honeymoon. It's just five seconds. I just want you to watch it and just see your take on it. Because I I took that in mind also when you said like, it was just one of those. And I get it. I think somebody also commented like, we've been in situations where you're uncomfortable and people laugh and, you know, just to make it go away or whatever. There's that, but it just wasn't the tone. Like, even with the willful ignorance one, that's the one where I thought, okay, you're not, definitely not gonna, but I want you to watch and just kind of see the tone. And it was just a, I get it that he could have been doing it to make everybody else comfortable, but it was like a, I don't know. He wasn't heated, like he told Lauren. So, hmm. yeah. Um. All right, guys, we will be right back to talk about Claire and Cameron. So, 
I actually think this is one of the things that makes maps so good, even when it's bad. Claire and Cameron continue their passive aggressiveness. She comes down. She's, she checks the oven. She asks if the food is warm. He says the oven is warm. She's like, the food is not warm. The empanadas look old. Then she says, this food is five hours old. Which, if we rewind back, she was like, we have two hours until people... I was so confused. So when he ordered the food, it was two hours. Now the food is five hours. Like, it, it uh, what happened? <laughs> so he tells her, look at the nachos. Like, nothing looks very appealing. And she says, you know what? We should have waited to get the food. But she doesn't really care because she's really hungry. He's annoying. What do you mean it's warm? Like, was it on? Was it not? I honestly didn't know. And I'm like... Do these two, have they escalated to hating each other? So now we're just doing things to annoy the other. But I don't understand why you just couldn't turn the oven on. He said the oven was warm. And I guess it was warm, but it wasn't warm enough to warm the food, which is probably what he thought it was doing. Because then she's like, let me turn the oven up. It was just a disagreement about how warm the oven needs to be to keep food (laughs) food warm for five hours. (laughs) And this is what I mean by this is like the entertainment of baths. Watching two strangers argue about nonsense. Or trying not to argue about nonsense. Is it giving you Henry and Christina? Uh, A a different type, but definitely same same track. (laughs) So Claire's friend Amy comes up, uh, comes in. Claire tells us in an interview that her friends are everything and she wants her friends to like him. He says he was scared about being in a room with three therapists. So I assume that these are Claire's classmates. Um, he said or she said? He's, uh, Cameron said he was scared about being in a room with three th- therapists. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. And then Amy makes a joke about his relationship with his father. Like, how's your relationship with your dad? And I, I really think she was joking. He says distant. And then she's like, wait, does he know you're on here? And Claire's like, <gasps> as in when he says no, because I, it was a shock to her. And then he gets a little bit defensive and says, would you tell a man who's on his deathbed? And Claire actually in that moment has a right to get hyphy, but instead she's just said, she's so sorry that his dad is sick, but she's like, uh, in an interview, why is this coming out now? Um, Claire asks what his dad would think if he knew. And Cameron's like, honestly, I don't know. In the interview, Claire is like, it's strange to me that he's bringing up heavy things in public or in front of other people when he won't do it with me. And she's worried that he doesn't trust her to tell him, doesn't trust her to tell her things. Um, So the next friends that comes in are Ross and Robert. I never did figure out who was who. At this point, this is where I think I'm very sure that their marriage is not going to make it because I do think it's a problem that she did not know this and he did not think to share this with her and quite frankly it feels like an ambush uh yeah i can't understand why he would say yes or decide to drop that with her friend around and that was very unfair to claire on that part but yeah i mean like i said they've been going back and forth because even going back to the therapist thing where he said he was scared to be around people they had a whole argument about that too Because he's like, I didn't say that. 
And she's like, no, you said that. And then they went back and that's when the friend cracked a joke. And I'm like, if everything is going to lead to an argument, this is going to be a very long and exhausting relationship for them. They're both trying very hard, but the undercurrents of contempt are always there. (laughs) And the number one marriage killer is always contempt. And this is the first episode where in the confessional, Cameron hasn't said, I really like, because every confessional, they do all whatever they do on screen. And in the confessional, he's like, but I really like her. I'm attracted to her. And I think this could work. But I don't think we got that this episode. Um, well, when he talks to her friends, it, it kind of comes out this positive. But anyway, okay. before we get to that, they have a little another passive aggressiveness about strawberry margaritas. <laughs> so she offers a strawberry margarita. He's like, I hope so, because that's all we have. And she's like, Cameron. And I was like, oh, that's not true. And I was like, OK, I don't even know where that came from. <laughs> So they cheers after they figure out who's getting strawberry margaritas and who's not. They cheers to new husband, new home, and friends. So because he has no friends here, he has to go off with our friends for the individual conversations. Um, so Ross is asking Cameron, like, how's it going? Um, and he's like, how he handles Claire's emotions. And he's like, I think pretty well. Um she gets standoffish, but then she comes back to say she's sorry. Her friend Joe is like, is that is it healthy? And he's like, they make a joke about Claire always being right. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cameron has a very, like, good public face when he's talking to Claire about others. Don't know if it matches at all what's going on with them, but it always sounds much better than what we are watching. So in the group, they're sitting around talking, all of them. And Amy asked him why he wanted to do, you know, Married at First Sight. And he's like, I'm single. I have no relationship baggage, financially stable. And I think it's the right time for commitment. And he says he's adventurous. So she asked him if he regrets it. What I'm like, why would you ask that? And he says um, he wouldn't do it again, but he's happy he did it this time. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't think Claire does either. Uh, they ask what his family thinks of it. And again, he's, he says the family that knows is very supportive, which, yeah, that makes everybody know because the other people weren't here for the first time. Oh yeah. There's family that doesn't know when they separate again, there's a conversation about religion, his thoughts on religion. She tells Amy the same thought, the thoughts that she has on religion, how he wants his kids to not be kind of raised with religion because he doesn't want to brainwash them. She has had a different experience is how she puts it. So Amy's like, is there a compromise? And she's like, "Uh, maybe. Um, And Robert, Ross or Robert tell them to keep exploring. Well, they tell Cameron to keep exploring, lean into things that aren't what you would normally do. I have to say the three therapists I felt like had some of the like most useful and positive non-judgmental conversations. And it was quite a shock going from the Brennan situation to coming to Claire and her three therapist friends and the conversations they had together and the conversations they had individually. Just saying. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I do want to, I, I think I do have a request for anyone who watched the matchmaking special. Can you share 
what Cameron and Claire's stance was on religion. I just, they feel, they both feel strongly where they're on. It's not even like a Becca Austin situation where they're like, oh, we'll figure it out. They just really feel strongly. Like he thinks it's brainwashing. She thinks it saved her. Where was this in the matchmaking? Why were they matched? We know the experts just do whatever they want, but I, I'm just trying to understand this better. Um, I would like to know. I think it's one of those things that they never talked about. They never showed us in the matchmaking special because they were probably saving it for this. Um, after everybody leaves, Claire and Cameron sit down. Um, and she, I'm telling you, I just think this therapist thing really gives you some skills. Because she manages to confront him about him not telling her about his dad in the most non-threatening and pleasant way possible. And very much like, you know, family is important. And, you know, like, did I do something to where you didn't feel like you could tell me? So the thing with Cameron and Claire is um, there's a part where he said he bears more of the emotional struggle. And I'm just like, wow, like I, 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 I would love to understand. I don't know why he's on af- not on after party, what his view of the relationship is, because on one hand, I think it's getting odd that this man doesn't seem to be talking to family. His friends are not showing up. He's always interpreting what Claire is doing, but we don't know where this relationship is going or where they stand but at the same time, is it that he's matching the energy that uh, Claire is giving him? Like, they're difficult, and I'm mad at Cameron, but is he doing all these things because he's feeling like, what's the point of going all deep when this girl doesn't like me at all? I think that he started off really liking her, And getting the vibe that she didn't like him. And I don't know if this is actually the truth. But I think this is definitely the story that he tells himself. And so he reacts by being like, oh, she doesn't really like me by pulling back. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where it gets all tricky. So can you fault? Because she's doing all the the motions. She's trying. But would you put all your eggs and see if doing all that would change their mind? Like, what is the best course of action? Do you protect yourself or do you just go dive in? I think dive in because you're already in there. What's the heart? Right? I think dive in is probably a good stance, but I I think I understand where he's coming from. I do, but I'm just, what is the right? That's what I'm saying. Like, they're so difficult to diagnose, for lack of a better word, because you can't fault her because she's doing all of the things. I do think she's being accommodating as much as her body language is different from what she's doing, but also for him as a human being, it's like, I can't fault him because why would I put my hundred percent in someone who doesn't seem to even want me to hold their hands? But also what do you do? (laughs) We'll we'll pick up on Claire and Cameron a little bit later. So we have a brief little interstitial where um, Becca tells Austin Oh, she likes when friends hang out. In previous relationships, she didn't enjoy hanging out with her boyfriend's friends. And it was like, uh. Becca tells us what she thinks about Derek and what he says about the relationship and says she doesn't want to push. But she also says, like, intimacy and feeling connected. They need to have fun because that's where their intimacy will come from. And that's all in an interview. 
she says, oh, we should do it again, as in have friends over. Becca says tomorrow. He says no. She says, what about the next day? <laughs> How much do you think this intimacy thing is going to be a problem in this relationship? Do you think Max is playing it up, or do you think it's going to be an actual um, source of tension for them? If I think it's actually pretty similar to the Emily and Brennan thing. I <gasps> think in, in that... When it comes to intimacy, I think that if they don't have sex by decision day, this is going to be a problem. And all signs point to the reason them not having sex is Austin and not Becca. Okay. So I guess because at first I thought you meant that Austin is not attracted to Becca. (laughs) I don't know if he is or he isn't, but the, the lack of sex is a problem for her. Yes. Okay. 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 I'm looking forward to seeing that unfold. So Claire and Cameron are continuing their uh, post whatever. And Claire asked Cameron, do you like my friends? And he's like, yeah. So she's like, um, let's talk about you like taking me by surprise. Um, he's like, he, he accuses her of not asking. And then they roll receipts. Cause Claire is like, I've asked. And on their wedding day, she asked him First conversation, do your parents know about this? And he deflected by saying, well, the plan is to do a second wedding in New Zealand. He never said yes. He never said no. He gave himself plausible deniability. Oh, I never told you that they knew. But I, I, if I was Claire, the way he answered the question, I would have thought that his parents knew that he was doing Married at First Sight. Yeah. Do you remember that episode? I was like, this man never actually said yes or no. So we don't know. She doesn't know. But yes, the way that it was phrased, both people could come out, like you said, plausible deniability on his side, but also you cannot fault her for thinking that they knew. Yeah, yeah. That's not a not a good look for Cameron. That, I think, is a, 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 a black spot on his record because you lied by omission. And then it's been now like a week and a half and you still never told her your dad is very ill and you never told him you were getting married. And I just feel like if you don't tell your parents, it makes it seem like you're not taking this seriously. Yeah. But also remember, we still don't know what the relationship with his family is because there seems to be something going on. If they are not close enough to you to know what's going on in your life, then you should say that. Yeah. But he's not saying much of anything. Mm-hmm. In an interview, um, Claire says it's hard to build a relationship given the circumstances. And Emily and Brennan's, like, you know, post friends party breakdown, Emily's like, I love your friends. And she's like, What do you think of mine? And it's clear they've already, like, she knows. Um, Brennan's like, yeah, they came after me. They questioned my drive and he defended himself and they didn't like it. Um, they called it being defensive and he's like, I'm just standing up. I was just standing up for myself. She says, um, uh, they care about me and she doesn't think it's fair. He was treated this way and she knows that her friends are a reflection of her. And if it came off bad, she's sorry. I really wish she didn't apologize. I I think this is yet another example of Emily just trying to keep the peace at the expense of her own peace. 
Yeah, I know. But I just really wish it didn't. Even if it's the right thing to do. Like, I mean, not to quote Brennan, but in real life, if something like that, like something happened with my friends and, you know, my partner's complaining, I'll probably be like, oh, like, you know, I'm sorry they did that or whatever. But I'm just heated and I'm so not team Brennan that I'm like, I just wish she didn't apologize. Uh, do you think she was apologizing because she told them too much? I think she's apologizing because she's walking on eggshells with Brennan. She knows that Brennan doesn't like looking bad. And she just feels like, oh, oh, I can see why, you know, he'd be upset. Like, I'm sorry they came in hot and all that. And like you said, she's trying to keep the peace. At the end of the day, I don't like it. I'm with you. I, all I see every week is Emily, like, twisting herself into knots to make this worthless man happy. Mm-hmm. Or to protect whatever public image that he's trying to protect. When... <laughs> The harder you work at these things, the less it works. Brennan comes off as an ass every single week now. Yeah, but I mean, I guess it worked because he liked it. Um, I, He liked the, the apology? Yeah. Oh, yes. He said that Emily was very supportive in having his back in that situation. Yeah. Um, but in their conversation, but this is the funny thing. I noted that when he said... The reality is Emily was very supportive in having my back in this situation. It was a voiceover and his face was not on the camera. And whenever that happens, I'm like, were we even talking about the situation or did they Frankenstein a line in there? When they go back to their actual conversation, they say, all we can do is go up from here. Okay. I didn't, um, I didn't catch that, but I was just like, this is what he likes. Like somebody, um, you know, having his back and just being like a yes woman and things like that. So, but I didn't catch that his voice and face were matching up. Anyways, that was this week. Friends and family done. Um, I feel, I, I, I just thought back to the Flamingos last year. I, I just felt that Nicole, and maybe I can give Chris a bone too, really worked to create a visual for their party. And so did a lot of other people like Gina and Clint. I felt this year people were lacking in their visuals. <laughs> Tane, who has your bouquet this week? My bouquet goes to Lauren's sister-in-law. There's nothing like having someone in your corner, somebody hyping you up, somebody you just letting you and reminding you that you are a great person and you don't let certain things define you. Who has yours? Amy, Robert, and Ross. As the three friends, I mean... If you ever wanted to see an advertisement for why like therapy might be a good thing, the way that they talked to Claire and Cameron and like tried to get to the root of issues while being positive, while being encouraging, I was like, yeah, this is what happens when you're with three good, appears to be good therapists. They, they're a positive force without being like intrusive or judgmental. It was really nice. <laughs> <laughs> Who has your burnt ashes? Um... I am torn between two people. I'm just going to give it to Brennan because he just made me really angry. I just didn't like anything that you're trying to do. I don't know if he's in or out. I'm not really mad at their questions because it's true. I don't know what his intentions are for someone who is, we're not going to get divorced, 
but you're also not trying to make the situation better from being monotone that you're moving in, from not helping her when she was moving in, from saying, oh, she doesn't need help. She has tiny hands to not even trying with the friends and not even telling Emily like, oh, you know, I may have handled it wrong, but I just felt attacked. So I just didn't want to like just something like he's just not giving anything. And it's really annoying me. Who has your ashes? I just want to keep things equal because to me, Kiara and Alex, I get it. You're here to go in guns a blazing for your friend, but I just don't think you did her any favors. And honestly, it felt very self-centered. You were not, I didn't feel like you were here to do Emily any good. Um, I will freely admit that both sides of that argument sucked. So Brennan got his ashes from you. These two can get their ashes from me. One last thing. Do you think they were drunk? No, actually. <laughs> okay. What did you think? I didn't think they were drunk. Huh. All right. So you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at AlterCallMAFS. That's A-L-T-A-R-C-A-L-L-M-A-F-S. We love hearing from you guys on social media. Or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a new episode. Give us a five-star rating if you're inclined on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And we will see you guys next week. Bye, guys. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.